Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports. Listeners get $50 off any purchase of $500. Use code LOCKEDON at checkout. Locked on MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you can read my lower third, you know you can call me Sully. Today's episode is being dropped on the 27th day of April, 2022. Thanks so much for making us your first listen, as we're available for free on all your free podcasting catchers. You can follow us on Twitter at LockdownMLBPods. Same handle for Instagram. And you can follow me. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Well, today's show, we have yet another crossover and we're doing with someone who's brand new, a brand new friend to the show, and someone who's not been part of the Lockdown Podcast Network for that long. But he has the, well, it's going to be the fun test because whatever happens this year, this team's going to be fun to watch. And it's a team that, well, has a little soft spot in my heart. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for this club. And this particular incarnation of the team is no different. I'm talking about the Philadelphia Phillies. And my guest today is the new host of Locked On Phillies. Let's bring him aboard. Hey, it's Connor Thomas. How you doing, man? Hey, Sully. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm all right. I'm sitting here. I, I'm doing another episode from my classroom. So I'm going to take you to school, young man. Uh, Sounds great. There's a pop quiz here. Uh, whereabouts? If I if I were to go over there to my globe that I have here in my classroom. And I take one of these pins I have over here, and I put a pin in the globe exactly where you are. Where would that pin be? Uh, it'd be easy to find. It'd be in uh, the great city of Philadelphia right now, South Philly. All right. Well, I was about to sing some of the songs from 1776, uh, but I don't want to get the Lockdown Podcast Network in trouble with copyright infringement. I'm a, uh, I'm a, first of all, I'm a big Revolutionary War buff. Uh, native New Englander, and I and I love reading about the American Revolution. So, uh, especially after college, I got into a huge Revolutionary War kick. Read Paige Adams's John Adams novel, all uh, Paige Smith's John Adams novel. All these, I couldn't get enough, uh, couldn't shove enough Revolutionary War stuff into my brain. And so, when I went down to Philly to to uh, Independence Hall, yeah, that was me going to Disneyland. That oh, to awesome. me, yeah, I just loved just it was I had goosebumps knowing that this is where not just the Declaration of Independence, but also the Constitution was ratified. This is where Franklin and Jefferson and Adams and, and Sherman and Livingston were were banging out the, the Declaration of Independence and all this stuff. I just and I was humming the the score from 1776 as I was walking around the place. So I oh. love Philadelphia. It isn't just because of Rocky. It isn't just because of 12 Monkeys. It isn't just because of 1776. But I, I, I love it there. So you are, I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, you probably are too young to remember the, the Mike Schmidt uh, 
Steve Carlton glory days. Am I correct on that? Yeah, that's a little bit before my time. Just missed them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's it for Locked On MLB. Uh, <laughs> it's good talking with you. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming you were there for the Utley Howard Hamels glory years. Or yeah, so that was years. my childhood baseball team was really that Utley Howard uh, and Rollins core. With right. Cole Hamill sprinkled in there and the four aces at the end. So, yeah, I grew up on those guys. Yeah. Well, and briefly, my favorite player of all time played for them. That would be Pedro Martinez, but he was no longer Pedro the Great when he was there. Um, that's an interesting team in terms of Philadelphia lore. I remember I was doing an iteration. This wasn't Locked On MLB. It was with the show Sully Baseball I had before it. I did Locked On MLB. And during that 2011 season, I had a couple of uh, big time Philly fans, including the writer, Michael Ferraro. And mm-hmm. we were talking a lot and I was saying, if this Phillies team, and that was the year where they had both Lee and Halliday, because remember yep. Lee was not part of the 2010 team and no, Halliday was not part of the 2009 team, but um, they had Lee and Halliday and Hamels and Roy Oswalt as Roy, well. Roy Oswalt. And they also, I mean, they still had Utley and, they still had uh, Howard, and they still had Ruiz, and they still—I mean, they, had the, they, they mm. still had the core yeah, of that team core. together. Uh, I said that if that team won the World Series, and boy, it looked like they were going to. If that team had won the World Series, you could have made an argument that that Phillies run was would have been the greatest Philadelphia sports run ever. I mean, yeah. I, had to, I had to really stop and think. You know, Broad Street Bullies. The Dr. J era, the, you know, I can't count Connie Mack and all of them. I can't count anything pre-integration, you mm-hmm. know, the, you know, like the Pete Rose, Mike Schmidt Phillies. If that team had won the second title, I think they would have laid the claim to this is the greatest Philadelphia team of all time. And, uh, you know, it didn't work out. But what is the, the feeling people have of that team? I'm sure it's beloved. Oh, absolutely. Because championships are not, and of course, you're a native New Englander, you know, it goes up there and how it's been over the past 15, 20 years. Like championships are not as plentiful in Philadelphia. So when you win one at all, you immediately become a larger than life figure. But there's been an interesting thing because I do sports talk radio in Philly is my day job. Right. And there's been an interesting narrative with that core that's kind of popped up. They've gone from, well, they could have been on the greatest run in the history of Philadelphia sports to now. They're almost uh, not, I don't want to say resented, that's much too strong of a word, but for only bringing home one championship with the talent they had on that roster, there are people that feel like that that team ultimately came up short of expectations. There's some people that, again, don't resent it, but look back on that era. Sure, 2008 was amazing, but the subsequent years were failures by people that believed that team was good enough to win Back-to-back when they went in 2009, another one in 2011 with that pitching staff and that roster they still had. So it's an interesting dynamic. As we get further away, people look back and think, man, I wish we would have gotten two more out of that team. You know, it's interesting. It kind of reminds me, and I know you're a Philadelphia guy, so you may not want to hear this, but it reminds me of the Mets of 1986 and which is i mean that Mm -hmm. i was 14 years old when that world series happened and living in massachusetts so you might figure if you're if you're wondering how i felt about it watch the hbo documentary curse of the bambino that features your pal sully and my thoughts of the 1986 world (laughs) series i digress uh 
there's a lot of feelings that Mets team, that Mets year is beloved. But there is that sense that the team that had Gooden, Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter, Ron Darling, Sid Fernandez, Bobby Ojeda, uh, Lenny Dykstra, Wally Bay, all those players, and that they lost the division to a banged-up Cardinals team the next year, and they lost the pennant the next year to a Dodger team who should not have even been on the same field with them. Mm-hmm. There is a sense that that team came up short in its expectations. And the thing that I find interesting about what you were saying, that sounded very similar, that's why it was reminded of that. The thing that I find interesting about what happened with the Phillies team is they weren't expected to win that year in 08. No, they weren't. The Cubs were. Remember, mm-hmm. the Cubs had the best yeah. record of the National League. It's their time. We had the Red Sox time, the White Sox time, and guess what? It's Cub time. And they got swept by Los Angeles, and the Phillies beat a, a pretty good Brewers team. With a great CC Sabathia at that point, too. The rent- I called it the rental car season because they rented them, and they treated them like a rental car in Las Vegas. Like, every, yeah. you know, every game was a complete game. You're only here for two months. We're going to squeeze every inning out of you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Brett Myers, I believe that was when he hit the home run off of Sabathia in the playoffs. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was a great one. And then Shane Victorino with the grand slam off of him as well. That's right. A huge moment in that series. And then they they went up again. They didn't have to face Chicago, so they faced an L.A. team that was okay. But, you know, uh, they were clearly better than them. And then they faced Tampa, who got ahead of the Red Sox, and I love, most people were picking Tampa before the World Series began. And I I picked the Phillies because I thought I didn't, you know, I just, maybe I just was bitter that they beat the Red Sox. But uh, the team they weren't expecting to win won. Mm-hmm. And then the years that they were expected to win, they came up short. Um, they lost to that Yankee team, of course. If, the, if they had won that game four, I think they probably would have won the World Series. I think 2010 was a bit of a wash because that Giants team that won had the pitching staff that matched up with the Phillies pitching staff. There, right. that, uh, you know, My father, may rest in peace, was so in love with that. He was a San Francisco Giant fan till the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, I mean, I don't think Phillies fans should kick themselves over that one because, you know, that was Lincecum, Kane, Bumgarner. I mean, like, they, that matched up with them. But losing to that Cardinal team in 2011 – you know, I mean, it was, I mean, I keep thinking they won the first game and they were up like five to one or something in game two. And I remember thinking they're going to win this series in two and it's a best of five. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's good. It felt like that. And I still have, I think everybody in Philadelphia still has nightmares of Ryan Howard laying just slightly up the first base line, clutching the back of his leg with the Achilles injury. It just felt like it was silent in that ballpark. I don't know how to explain what happened. One nothing as well. Like you, in that closeout game, how yeah. do you not score a run with that type of pitching performance you got? Yeah, and of course they didn't have a winning season until last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was there was no metaphor for a team I've ever seen in my life that Ryan Howard collapsing at old plate and then the Phillies falling into obscurity. But I mean, but you know, I have to say though. And there are similar things that people say about the Atlanta Braves going on that great run. They only won that one World Series. You know, Earl Weaver only won that one World Series. Billy Martin only won that one World Series. 
But I, I, I kind of have to take issue to that because especially in this day and age when you have to go through three rounds, I, I, I don't 100% adhere to the mentality that it's a total crapshoot. I think you have to have a team that's designed to play 162 games and then once you get there you have to you have to mix and match there there seems to be ways you can win especially if you have a deep bullpen but the fact of the matter is is that a bounce here or a bounce there against New York a bounce here or a bounce there against uh St. Louis and they're they're going to the World Series again I mean there's I I, I have a hard time taking them to task for not winning more than one because the, it, it's the deck is so stacked against them and you're a Phillies fan thank god you're not like the the way the Indians were in the 90s where they had a great team year in and year out and they never won it once absolutely and that's why when I brought it up I kind of said lately there's become this narrative so what I think it really is is the descent that they had after that run some teams like you look at like the St. Louis Cardinals who they're just constantly they'll have better teams than other years every once in a while you know how it goes like sometimes they're up but they're never quite all that way down they followed up that era of incredible success that built a generation of baseball fans like myself like my generation and then they went through the slow descent of world series nlcs nlds no playoffs and just full down into the gutter and i think that 10-year playoff drought that we're currently in the midst of has created that narrative where now there's that generation that fell in love with that team is somewhat bitter with Phillies baseball because of the failures of what Ruben Amaro did down the stretch at the end of that roster, trying to keep guys there too long. A lot of people felt that the Matt Clentak era in the more recent years where you have a couple of years of just terrible drafting, a depletion of a farm system. So I think that narrative is kind of more of what's happened since that era of baseball. I'm right. thinking, man, it would have been easier to get through these past 10 years if they had won one or two more. Well, you know, one of the things, though, and Phillies fans have to be reminded of this, is that they got that ring. They got that ring. And it is a special moment in that team's life and in those fans' life that is expressed with jewelry. And if you want to express life special moments with jewelry, let me recommend you go to BlueNile.com. Whether it's everyday fine jewelry like cocktail rings, tennis bracelet, or a beautiful wedding ring or band, BlueNile.com has you covered. They're the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've been helping millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. BlueNile.com offers expert advice 24-7 with legendary service and 30-day returns. When you commit to a piece, so does BlueNile.com. They have guaranteed service and repair for life and the diamond price guarantee. Contact Blue Nile to compare a competitor's diamond against one of Blue Niles. And in most cases, it will be matched, maybe even beaten. Okay? And for the most part, Blue Nile can deliver overnight. Orders are insured and arrives in a discreet package, so it won't give away what's inside. Now, you got to think about the call to order, which is somewhere here. Hey, here it is. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And locked on MLB listeners will get $50 off any purchase of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive is good through Mother's Day. Use code locked on. That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, discreet packaging. Boom. Shop stress free and find your ever, forever peace. Go to bluenile.com. 
Thanks for making Locked On MLB your first listen. Your second listen, that better be Locked On Phillies. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other expert, like no other network, <laughs> free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I stumbled through that like Ryan Howard falling in a heap. I but that was a great lead-in. The great lead-in to the ad was what carried it. That was like Ryan Madsen setting up Brad Lidge back in the day. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I didn't serve one up the pool holes, let me tell you. I just I, that no, was uh, um by the way, I'm I'm convinced that Brad Lidge made a deal with the devil. Oh, absolutely. How do you go and, perfect that year? And then like it, it was crazy. It was crazy. But hey, uh speaking of deals with the devil, uh, let's talk about the Philadelphia Phillies. Um you know, look, it, it's way too early. It's way too early to get, I think, angry about anything. Uh, and I think that the track record that both Dombrowski and Girardi have should make people say, hey, let's let's not go bananas here. Even though the Phillies, who are playing right now against, as we're recording this, are playing against the Colorado Rockies. So neither you nor I know what's going to happen in that game. Uh, that being said, best case scenario, they're going to be eight and ten. Worst case scenario, they're going to be seven and eleven. Get a Slurpee. Not a sponsor of the Lockdown Podcast Network. But yeah, they're off to a crummy start. And one reason they're off to a crummy start is Zach Wheeler has stunk. You know, when you have your ace stink, that sort of thing happens. We saw Nola pitched well. Uh, Gibson had at least one really good game. You know, I think that and and Knable and Hand have been pretty good out of the bullpen so far. So, uh, you know, Harper has not been great, but he's, he's driving in a lot of runs, which I know I'm not supposed to pay attention to, but that does help you win games. Um, you know, obviously we remember what happened with the Phillies last year, that they briefly were the team in first to take away the, the division from the Mets until they decided that it was probably best to have the Atlanta Braves win it. But uh, I think this team, it, this is a flawed division, uh, I think the Mets are off to a great start. The last time they went off to a great start was last year. And um, I, I think this is the team that could contend for the division or maybe one of the, the wildcard spots if everything comes together. What's the mood there in Philadelphia for the team? Obviously, they can't be thrilled with how they've started it, but uh, they haven't hit the panic button yet, have they? You know what? Some people are reaching for it already. And part of that is just the nature of Philadelphia sports fan. You're a New Englander. You're a Northeast guy. You know how yeah. it is here. It's a lot more tense as far as a fan base is concerned. And when you come in with this expectation, you go into the luxury tax for the first time in Philly's history, and you spend on guys like Nick Castellanos and uh, Kyle Schwarber to come in, the expectations are, okay, we're all in. That playoff drought ends this year. And so they immediately come under a microscope for – probably the first month of the season. And then as the summer rolls around, people settle in, people start, like it'll be the dog days of summer, a lot less tense, and they'll allow the team to develop more. But I, it's that first couple weeks microscope, coupled with you lose four of your first five series on the year after going out and spending that money. And the main thing people are pointing to is Joe Girard. A lot of people around here, I've had a couple people, uh, a couple sports talk show hosts talk to me and say, is Girardi possibly getting fired if they get swept by the Brewers prior to that Brewers series that they just played at home? Right. Which is a crazy thought, being that that was the fifth series of the year. But it's what people are saying here. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that's very hasty. But it's just that early season microscope for a team that hasn't had a lot of success recently. And now 
you feel like you're close. So every failure, every lost series feels a little bit bigger in the minds of fans. So they're certainly zoned in on this team and it's impatience because of the time that they've already spent over the past decade of Phillies baseball missing the playoffs. It's like this has to be the year or I don't know what's going to happen, even though, of course, last year had to be the year and the year before that had to be the year. So they'll, this fan base will keep coming back. It's a passionate baseball town. But right now the microscope's certainly on them. And there's a feeling, like I said, of impatience around here. Well, and I think there's a couple of things that probably adds to the impatience. The fact that the Mets are off to such a great start, mm-hmm, for sure. that it's the Mets. If it was the Marlins, you know, then I think maybe it would be less of a uh, uh, less of a, a stick in the eye. But, you know, the fact that it's the Mets off to this great start. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of Mets fans. I know a lot of Mets fans. I You know, please don't judge me. But I know a lot of Mets fans who feel because of what happened last year, that they were in first place for about two-thirds of the season, more than two-thirds of the season. And they finished the season with a losing record, a sub-500 record, despite being in first place and with virtually no competition for the first two-thirds of the season. And that the team that leapfrogged them got a parade. And they kind of look at that parade thinking, that should have been us. I'm sure there's a little bit of that going on with the Phillies fans. The one thing I would say, the many thing I would say that would talk them off the ledge is not just the fact that Girardi has a good track record. Dombrowski has a good track record. And this is really Girardi's second full season as the manager of the Phillies. The first year was the COVID year. And you almost have to take that with a grain of salt because, you know, that it, I mean, it was just 60 games. It's like, imagine, you know, where you're at the in the season around Memorial Day, and that's how we're going to judge your entire year. And right. so they did have a winning year for the first time since Ryan Howard fell in a heap under Girardi. And so I, I would just say that, look, it, you know, this is what, two and a half weeks into the season of a shortened, you know, with a shortened spring training. The key is if Wheeler finds his groove and Nola continues to pitch well, uh, I have no question, I have no uh, uh, hesitation that the uh, the offense, obviously Harper had a, an amazing year last year. Castellanos is off to a great start. Schwarber's is going to be fun. Rio Muto is going to hit. Hoskins is going to hit. Gregorius is going to hit. You know, there's, there's, you know, this, there's a, you know, uh, Bryson Stott didn't hit, but maybe he can come up and and fix it. There's too much talent on this offense that if they pitch well. This is easily an 85-86 win team, and if a ball bounces this way or that, who knows? They could That could be enough to get them in the playoff contention. I completely, completely agree with you, and I think Zach Wheeler is going to come around. He had a shortened spring training because he had a bit of a shoulder issue. He got flu-like symptoms when he was getting ramped up to get ready for not starting opening day because of that shoulder issue, but for that first series. And, of course, spring training shortened already this year because of everything going on with the lockout. So, And on top of that, last year in his Cy Young runner-up season, he was rode heavy by this team. A lot of innings, a lot of workload. So it's something that I think it's just going to take him a little bit more time to work in. I don't doubt the ability. I just think it's a slower start for him, and I'm fine with that because this offense has had its dips and the bullpen is not where we thought it was going to be, even though you didn't think it was going to be a great bullpen. 
They've but, shown but think flashes. of where they were a couple of years. I, they, 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 the were the the they were the worst in the history of baseball. <laughs> yeah. So let's right. let's just let's just talk about what we're dealing here. We're like, oh, this is not a great bullpen. It was horrific. It was um, Stephen King level horrifying before. It so, was. But you know, like what I'm looking at is you bring in these guys, and um, I don't think they're bad. But they had just a couple of days ago the worst ERA in baseball as far as the bullpen's concerned. Like they're not that bad, is what I'm saying. Like they're going to be middle of the road, and that's going to be a significant improvement over what they've had in past years. Mediocre is better than terrible. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> just by just you know, eh, is better than yikes. And they've yeah. had yikes. I mean, think about so many of those series that just got away from the Phillies in the last couple of years where, you know, if they had, if their bullpen was even adequate, mm-hmm. like last year, if their bullpen was adequate, they may have won 90 games. Absolutely. 2020, they win the division. They, but... Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had yeah, the, in the COVID season, right. They, they yeah. would have won it. So I think, you know, I don't know. I think, you know, sometimes I, I have an interesting perspective. I'm, I'm going to get this lockdown philosophy here. I have an interesting perspective on East Coast baseball now that I live on the West Coast. And there's and don't get me wrong, I lived up in the Bay Area when the Giants were winning those World Series. Mm-hmm. And I live here now. I was here for the Dodgers series and I'm and and fans I mean the Dodgers were one of the biggest draws in all of baseball. And they got, you know, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. There's 50,000 people there. They draw millions of people. And guess what? Angels do too. Guess what? The Giants draw like crazy too. There are super passionate fans who love their baseball. And it's not insane. And I've been able to sort of, as a sociologist, take a look back with a couple of mountain ranges in between 3,000 miles to look at how the, how the Northeasterners talk about baseball. And I see some of the insanity of it. And I know when I was there, I was as guilty as anybody. But the knee-jerk reaction to every tiny pitfall, whether you're in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, wherever, it's you sit there and go, like, would you let the 162-game season unfold? You're totally you know? right. You're totally right. And here's what the comment has and, yeah, Well, I just say, you're, you're a call-in radio guy. So, yes. I, I mean, you're like, I'm watching it from afar. You're in the microscope looking at the, looking at the amoeba sort of going around there. I, I hear from uh, hundreds of people every day who call in and want to fire this coach and want to move on from this player. Part of it, I think, is because, at least in Philadelphia, it's such a football-centric fan base. Even though they love their baseball, it's always an Eagles town. So when you look at that, you look at a 16, now a 17-game season for the NFL, and every loss feels magnified. And that's what people in this area grow up on. So when they look at losses in other sports, it happens with the Sixers and the Flyers as well. Not quite as lengthy as the MLB season, but still 82 games. Mm -hmm. And every game feels like you're hitting the nuclear panic button because they're used to one game impacting so much with the Eagles. So it does take over the mentality and how people are raised as sports fans, at least in Philly. And then the Northeast just naturally. Just a tenser, faster pace. you got to get everything done quickly so when you're off to the slow start, it affects people more up here. So it's certainly the case. And I have to fight it myself being in the Northeast my whole life. And even though I know I've seen baseball seasons over and over and over again, I know it doesn't matter until June, July, and you can see teams in last place at that point at the All-Star break. They'll come back, 
get in and find a way to win a World Series. But it's hard to fight against that nature of just this area and how fans are brought up and how they react to even losing an early season series to the Milwaukee Brewers or the Colorado Rockies. It's funny. Like, I, I'm not a huge football fan. I, I don't mm-hmm. dislike football. I just don't follow it. I got and I didn't grow up in a big football house. I lived, I grew up, when I grew up in the suburbs of Boston, the Patriots stunk. Yeah. They, they were, there was the Steve Grogan that, that one year they went to the Super Bowl and they got clobbered. But mm-hmm. most of the time, you know, and they played way out in the, in Foxborough, this nasty aluminum stadium. And this was the era of Larry Bird and all them. So obviously everyone was cheering for the Celtics and I'm, and, but we were a big baseball house. Right. And so I understood, especially watching, there was a bunch of years where it was, I found out the opposite, that the Red Sox would get off to this super hot start. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, here we go. Here we go. And then they yep. would fade. And then the Orioles or the Tigers or the Yankees, whoever would wind up going to the playoffs. And, um, and because I grew up, you know, I, I kind of maybe have a different point of view of following the sports team and understanding that it's like tides, that there's, you know, the best teams, like, you know, the, the, what, the, the, to the 1998 Yankees lost what 45 games or something mm. like that. I mean, it's going to happen. But also, if I grew up on football, you're right. A two game, like, like a two game losing streak when you have only 16 games, compare that to 162 games in baseball. A two game losing streak in football is like a 20 game losing streak in baseball. Right. Like imagine you woke up and you're like, we lost the last two games. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you got to you go to play tomorrow. But if you lost twenty straight games in baseball, <laughs> you're like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, uh, let's fire everybody, Terrence. But then again, if you can go back to back wins, then you're then you're the money ball A's. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's you're right. That is a mentality, and I, I and I'll just say just for my own self, that's one of the reasons why I love baseball. You could have this, like the Mets and the Cardinals played this unbelievably exciting game on, uh, on, on, was it on Monday evening? Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was a great pitchers matchup. There was heroics. There was weird errors. It was just, it was, it was Bananaville. And guess what? They have to play the next day. Yeah. And I, that's what I love. It's that, it's that comfort food. You know, I go drive home from work. I'm going to listen to a ball game. Yeah, and they all count the same and everything like that. It's absolutely right. You brought up tides, though. In Philadelphia, often it feels like there aren't tides. They're tidal waves. It's just everything crashes down on you the time a game gets lost, even if it only matters for one of 162. It's but, a tough nature to be. But the two – and I made this point this week. The two things that I will say that if you are a, a – if it's, I think it's more so in the American League than the National League this year, that it's going to be so bunched together – Mm-hmm. That when you have a head-to-head matchup with one of your rivals, even if it's in April, you got to get those wins in. You got to at least pile those wins up so you're not trying to make up for them later. And the other thing is, when you're this early in the season, you're going to have games where you lose. You're going to have a couple of games where you get the doors blown off, and there's going to be some games that are going to be frustrating. That you're like, do you know what? We went up against a great pitching staff. Tip your hat. You know, that, that happened to the Red Sox the other day when there were no hit through nine innings and yeah. they wound up losing an extra. You kind of got to tip your hat, go like, look, at, you know, they just were great. What you want to avoid are dumb losses. Just yeah. those losses like you made mistakes, a mental error, you brought in the wrong pitcher, 
you know, you, someone made a base running blunder because those are the games when you go back, you're like, we missed the playoffs by one game. And you look back and remember that game, the guy over you know, ran through the stop sign. We could have won that game. You know, you try to don't lose the dumb games. Yeah. And the Phillies haven't had, they haven't had any dumb losses yet this year. In my opinion, they've had games where the offense is slumped. They've had games where they've had bad started pitching performances. They've had games where the bullpen just didn't show up when you needed them to. But in each game, it felt like there was a flash of something, even if they haven't fully put it together yet. And that's why I'm not worried about this team, because I've seen that the offense could be elite, that the starting pitching, we know that they have talent there, that the bullpen has had games where they've had to come in in early innings, like the fourth inning. There was a game where Nick Nelson threw like three perfect innings for the yeah. team in relief. Yep. And you're looking at like, OK, these guys have ability. We talked about bullpens in the past, how there were guys that shouldn't be on a major league roster. That's not this year's team. So when they figure it all out and they go on that stretch where all the facets of the game kind of come together, they're going to be a really good ball club. And you're right. They're going to be an 85, 86. They could push up to 90 wins if things bounce their way. So I'm not worried about them. It's just when you see the offense slump and you pay this amount of money, the average fan sees that and they think, well, I was told they were supposed to hit eight home runs a game. And now I'm going to panic because they just got shut out. It's, a, it's just a tough mentality early in the season when you expect something a certain way, and you've got to let it more shake out. Well, what i got to say to some of those fans who are, like, hitting the panic button based upon how things are going in the, when we're less than 20 games in the season is just remember that, you know, Wheeler is a legitimate Cy Young contender when healthy. If he gets himself going and Nola gets himself going, you know Harper's going to start to hit. You know Schwarber's going to at least be hitting a few moonshots uh, out of there. Then, you know, it's just going to be a, an easy bet to say that the Phillies are going to be a winning season. You're going to have a winning season for their fans. They're going to be exciting. If you're going to make any bets, go to BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet online is where the game starts. Crossing over with Connor Thomas. That sounded like crossing over with John Edwards. No, we're not doing that kind of crossing over. We're talking Phillies. Um, so, Connor, you you have a, a memories of the the Ryan Howard years and everything like that. I'm my one of my early childhood memories of the World Series was the 1980 World Series. I had a bunch mm. of cousins who grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, and okay. were huge Phillies fans. And so I didn't think the Red Sox were allowed to go to the playoffs when I was a kid. Uh, I used to think how it worked was they'd play 162 games, and at the end, the Phillies played the Dodgers and the Royals played the Yankees. Exactly. And um, that's it was like an invitation. Um, and, and they were all huge Phillies fans. And so... Uh, when they won the World Series, I was so happy for my cousins, and I used to pretend I was Tug McGraw. Um, and uh, I, I, the first National League game I ever saw was a Phillies Mets game, and I got to see Schmidt, I got to see Pete Rose, uh, and it was in the strike year of '81. Now, I also went. I I went to the vet. I went to games in, at the vet, 
Yeah, that was a that was a place for sure. <laughs> yeah, have, did you ever go? Were you was the vet before your time? Or was it always? No, I I'd been to game at the vets, but I was a young kid, and I always yeah. say that the vet is where every kid in Philadelphia used to learn their four letter words because that's what it was the seven hundred level, and you'd be sitting up there, and every word in the book was getting thrown out. It was a hostile environment. The field was hard. The fans were harder. It was a crazy place. And I remember it a little bit as a kid being my introduction to Philadelphia sports, but really my main time growing up was the bank. Yeah. I have to say, I have to say a few things in defense of the vet. Um, uh, you know, the cookie cutter parks of St. Louis and Philadelphia and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and Atlanta, they have been maligned and talked about, like, they all had to be knocked down. I wish they saved one of them. And the one yeah. I wish they saved was St. Louis. Because St. Louis, there was so much history in that one that if it was the only one left, then it would be it would be unique. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, and they've some of the new stadiums are all starting to look alike to me. So, oddly, they've become a new cookie cutter. I mean, I can't tell the difference between the new Cardinal Stadium and the, the new stadium where the – the, the Nationals play, and there's, I think there's no character in that stadium where the Rangers play, where they played the COVID World Series. Right. But um, I've not been to the bank. I've only been to the vet. And the vet seemed to the, – the, the knock the cookie-cutter parks got was they didn't have any character, and I say BS to that. The vet did. The vet felt like Philadelphia. Philadelphia, if no one's, if you've not been to Philadelphia, it's first of all, I've mentioned before, my I'm a Revolutionary War buff, so I mean, there's there's a, the, it has the historic element. Philadelphia, watch Rocky, okay? Because I know you have. I'm talking about other people. Of course, <laughs> there there seems to be no rhyme or reason in Philadelphia. I'm in a nice neighborhood. I'm in a rough neighborhood. Oh, this place is really nice. Oh my God, I better run for my life. It just sort of like it. it there's a lot of. That's why the movie Trading Places was so perfect. That it was in Philadelphia. Is that there's so many like kind of rundown areas right next to this really wealthy area, right next to another place. There's there's a toughness to Philadelphia, and a rough around the edges part of Philadelphia that I thought the vet kind of symbolized the fact yeah. that they had a jail. They had a jail <laughs> in the stadium. You know, it was you had to be a tough player to make it in Philadelphia. But if you made it in Philadelphia. Um, it was amazing. And partly it was because for me, I guess I, I came of age as a sports fan and Philadelphia had the Eagles made the playoffs. The Phillies won the world series. Dr. J and Moses Malone were, uh, you know, leading the Sixers to the playoffs and they won a title and, you know, uh, Balboa just beat Clubber Lang. You know, there was always a lot of the Philadelphia was like a glamour place of champions. Yeah, yeah, well, the 80 was had kind of tough. Yeah, 80 had all of the teams go at least. So yeah. the Phillies won it, but the Sixers were in it. The Flyers were in it. The Eagles in it. And unfortunately, you lost three or four, which kind of the story of Philadelphia. But those were the days, and that kind of created what the vet was with the Eagles and the Phillies both playing there. No, you're absolutely right. It collected the ethos of Philadelphia. I remember watching the vet get knocked down from the Navy Yard here in Philadelphia, yep. sitting on the top of my dad's truck because he worked in the Navy Yard. And seeing that building come down, even though I was young and it wasn't really as much part of my experience because I was a young kid, it's still, it was, it's so revered still. And people kind of have not so much pushback because Citizens Bank Park is a beautiful park. Yeah, it looks it's one of the nice modern yeah. parks. It's a great place to watch a game, but they're still kind of, 
Yeah, but it's not the 700 level. It's not the toughness. It's not what that generation was raised on. And you're right about just the ethos of the city and what the city's drawn to. It's a neighborhood, very like family feel, but it's one of those families that had eight boys all in an order and they all fight and they're all getting playground scraps and everything like that. And even though their family are all a little bit different and rough around the edge, it's, it's what it feels like being here. And that's what the vet embodied. And that's what fans here want these sports teams to embody. You want to be, the tough player. And we care more about almost to a fault in Philadelphia, the tough player over the talented player. Like one of the most talked about guys in this city's baseball history, Aaron Rowan gets talked about like he was Babe Ruth because he ran into the center field fence once and broke his nose. It's just like, he was, he wasn't a slouch player, but this city values toughness sometimes even over skill. And that's just the nature of Philadelphia. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's a, they're in a weird place, even geographically, you know, it's like, you know, Boston is like the insecure, smarter brother of New York. Mm-hmm. New York is the middle son who hit it big. Okay. Philadelphia is the tough brother uh, who, um, you know, who thinks he's as good as the other ones. Baltimore, um, man, we had such high hopes for you, Baltimore. <laughs> and uh Washington is the uh the adopted son who studied. But uh <laughs> it's not bad. Um I just made that up. I was just trying to think yeah. what that's what the 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 different the different city. They have very different uh personalities and it comes through through their their sports team. But uh hey, look it. Connor Thomas, where wait, where do you do your uh where do you do your sports talk? So I'm on 97.5 The Fanatic Sports Talk Radio. I'm on the morning show, the John mm-hmm. Kincaid show there. Uh, and, yeah, I've been doing that for a couple of years. So you can right. hear me in the mornings, bright and early, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. All right. That's the way to go. That's the way to go. Well, hey, Connor, this was a lot of fun having you on. You and I have been playing a little bit of email tag to try to get this going here. So I'm glad we finally uh, lined everything up here. So you know, that's where they can listen to you on the radio. Where can they listen to them in their earbuds with their pot with your podcast? Of course, Locked On Phillies. You can find us anywhere that they do your podcast. Locked On Phillies on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at lo underscore Phillies. And I retweet everything from my personal account at Connor Thomas nine seven five. So all of those platforms, you can find everything we put out on Locked On Phillies. I know we've talked about oh, how worried people are about the Phillies this early. It's going to be a fun year. It's an incredibly it's fun team. Hey, you and have going, yeah. Castellanos, Harper, and Schwarber. It's worth the price of admission just to watch those three in the lineup together. I mean, that's that's going to be so much fun watching those three guys just you know swinging from their heels and 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 you know putting some runs up on the board. So yeah, chicks dig the long ball, Sully, and this team's going to have plenty of them by the time this season's over. So it'll well, be a fun year. Come along with us on Locked On Phillies, and it's going to be a long year where I'm going to have a lot of fun talking baseball up and down. You can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on both Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and I guess, uh, uh, Mr. Musk, if you're listening, if you can just verify me, that'd be great. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sully baseball and on Instagram. I'm at Sully baseball podcast. I don't remember my, MySpace handle the, talking about the Phillies with Connor Thomas here on the 27th day of April, 2022. This is the locked on MLB locked on Phillies crossover. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.